the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Today, we're featuring voice actor and theater hand, Cherie B. Tay, and we'll have her interview coming up in a little while. But first... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter reference levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So tell us, Paul, what's going on in your VO world right now? Uh, mostly audiobooks. Audiobooks, audiobooks, and more audiobooks. And not recording them, but producing them for Twin Flame Studios. I've just wrapped one that I know is published and out. It's called Design for Identity. How to Design Authentically for a Diverse World, and it's by Jessica Bantam, and that is out now on all your fine audiobook retailers. Interesting book. It's about, well, she's a professional designer, like interior designer, and is talking about how diversity, equity, and inclusion affect that job, and how no one has really ever thought of that before. And I certainly had never thought of it before, but it was fascinating to think about how building design and interior decorating can affect someone's uh, perspective of the workplace based on their ethnicity, their uh, their growing, the way they grew up, their their background, and how that can sometimes be negative in a workplace, and how most people would never consider that as a reason people were quitting or asking to work from home, but really eye-opening as far as how design and interior design specifically might affect DEI. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome. And the next else? one, yeah, new, the one I'm just wrapping up, it's, it's in the can, as we say, all the recordings in the can, we're just working on the editing, is called Compassion Accountability, How Leaders Build Connection and Get Results by Nate Regeer. And that is also diving into the DEI conversation and how leaders of businesses can not only hold themselves accountable but, accountable, but hold other people accountable when they're in meetings and conversations in the workplace. And this one was also fascinating to me because it talked about how everyone's personal accountability or lack thereof affects pretty much every relationship you have in the workplace and in your personal lives as well. So another great book. I'm noticing a trend here that a lot of our clients are, are talking about these issues in the workplace and how they affect not only people's work lives, but their personal lives. And I think it's great. I'm really, really proud of the work we're doing at Twin Flame Studios that addresses these conversations. And I'm always learning more every day. Absolutely. That's wonderful, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And the last one that is also in the can and about to be published. No, it's not sure. This is the, the second one that's in the can about to be published. is called Grow. 12 Unconventional Lessons for Becoming an Unstoppable Entrepreneur. And this is by Mike Fada. So this is really about how starting a biz how he started a multi-billion dollar business in Canada in the health food industry and how he now gives back to 
other people who are looking at the same thing, entrepreneurs, and how to help them grow their businesses just like he did. And then finally, the last one is uh, actually kind of a sad topic, but it's called Incurable Hope, a memoir and survival guide for coping with a loved one's addiction by Lisa M. Genosa. And this one is, is like I said, a personal memoir about uh, her son who suffered from severe alcoholism. And he, he's okay now. He's, he's in remission. But that story and how for over 20 years she struggled with dealing with his addiction in and out of hospitals, in and out of prison, and how they've coped with that and ultimately helped him survive. So he's in remission currently. So that'll be out pretty soon as well. Wow, some profound stuff, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm learning something almost every day, and it's really quite cool. And then finally, on an interesting note, I had one more announcing gig that I wanted to mention. I did some drag racing a couple of <laughs> a couple of weeks really? ago. Really? Yeah. So there's this this track semi local to me, about uh, 45 minutes away. It's called the Capital Raceway. Imagine that, just outside D.C. And they do straight up drag racing. It's just two lanes, about uh, a mile, uh, maybe a mile and a half, and cars line up and race down the track as fast as they can. So. It's amateur racing slash semi-pro, so they have different kinds of events. But the one I was at was basically an open, open division where anyone could bring their car, and and soup, souped up as as it were to race each other. And I just found out the way it works is they sort of handicap the um, the start times so they're on equal footing. So mm-hmm. one car who has a better engine will have a delayed start time until the other one is ready to go, and then they'll. They'll go at, at staggered times in order to compensate for the bigger engine. So you might see a huge full-engine funny car racing against a uh, 76 Chevette. In fact, that actually happened. There was <laughs> an old Chevy, um, an old Chevy, Chevy Chevette, which like was this compact passenger car from the 80s that was basically built during the um, the gas crisis. So this car has this insane engine, and it actually won a few races going 145 miles an hour on this tiny track. So Holy it was crap. kind of bizarre. I want to play a quick clip, actually. I have I posted this on LinkedIn. So I'm going to play the sound, and you can hear the cars in the background revving up before they start and peel out, and then me announcing it. So here we go. So that was from inside the supposed soundproof booth of the the tower that sits about twenty <laughs> feet above the track. So so me and the uh, the people keeping score can see everything, and that's how loud it was inside the soundproof booth. There was dozens of people working on the track and the owner just standing there next to the cars, watching them go off. No earphones, no earplugs. I don't know how they're not all completely deaf because that was from For inside real? the booth. Uh, man, like not. Well, I mean, live announces some of the most interesting recording conditions I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So that was really interesting. I'm hoping to be invited back. Uh, um, I wasn't available for the next couple of events because of other games I was doing, but I'm hoping I can spend some more time there because it was much more fun than I thought it would be. Not that I didn't think it would be fun, but I didn't really know what to expect. And I got there, I was like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> Very cool, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on all the recent work. Thank you. So that's, that's my recent uh, shenanigans. What, do you, what have you been up to? 
uh, auditioning, 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 uh, for one thing. Uh, I got some free training yesterday. We had a smaller turnout for one of our coach-led workouts at GVAA with uh, Joyce Castellanos. So I and uh, my buddy David Toback, who also, he's our, our chief operations officer, got to join in. Because it was funny, we were talking, we have our staff meeting on Mondays, and then it kind of was bleeding over into the workout. And he's like, man, I'm feeling a little unmotivated today. And I got this audition due tomorrow. I got, I'm like, dude, we got room. Just do it here. We're like, I, yeah. And so we, we jumped in and um, we both uh, we did some auditions in front of everybody. And it was got some really encouraging feedback from Joyce. It's nice. And, and we like a lot of the people who were joining the workout were like maybe the first year into their VO journeys. And de- or Toback and I are about a decade into it. And so we were trying to point out like, hey, it doesn't matter how long you're doing this. Every now and then it's nice to get a second objective opinion. And Joyce was just great. She's just like, little adjustment here, little adjustment there. It's great. It's very, it, um, lots of positive feedback that was good for the old self-confidence. That's especially so good that. if um, if the feedback is good, too. Like, you know, yes, yeah. I did one. <laughs> I did a workout with Joyce through GBAA a couple of weeks ago. My first one in a couple mm-hmm. of years. And uh, I totally set it up where I was hoping to get positive feedback. Like, I did these two scripts that, in my opinion, I was going to nail. One was an in-show narration, and one was a promo for a crime drama. And I thought, this is what I think I'm good at. And I did those, I did both the, the reads for Joyce, and she kind of confirmed both of those. She was like, yeah, that's that's pretty much perfect. I really wouldn't change a thing. And I was like, thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for. And I think sometimes that's okay, that, that confirmation. Yeah, it helps. I mean, because so much of our time is spent just throwing auditions into the ether and like getting no response more often than even negative feedback. So it, it's really helpful. And it was cool because it's like, I could hear kind of like your your prior experience, like your audio work, work coloring your documentary narration. And she's like, no, 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 you just need a little bit more, like a little bit more focus and in speed here to kind of like be more engaging. And you made those adjustments and it was really cool to see. My thank you. So what else has been happening no, for I, you? Um, some fun character projects. So some of you guys might know, I recently started partnering with a, a YouTube channel called Masters of the Mini Comics, based off the, the popular Masters of the Universe franchise. And one thing you might not know is that Motu actually has a very popular fan base in, or it's a very popular property in Germany. It's the Germans, they love the He-Man. Um, and then apparently a few years ago, a German fan actually translated this original comic that was only released in Germany called, uh, what is it, Der, Der Buch des Bösen, or The Book of Evil. <laughs> and it's like this, and it's really funny because it's a little bit, the German content, like they, they'd had some original comics and some radio plays, I believe, but overall things are a little bit more mature and dark, and it's just really funny to see that change of voice with these characters. So I played a couple of the villains for that one. Uh, I was I got to be Merman, so I got to, and it's funny, I was experimenting. Is it better to, you know, just have like a lot of uh, saliva in the mouth or like playing with things like this, you know? I actually learned this technique from Michael Bell, like from G.I. Joe and the Snarks, I believe it was. What are you doing right now? Just like, I'm just wiggling my finger in front of my lips and it's it has that underwater effect, yeah. but you still keep your articulation pretty well. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> um... So yeah, uh, so I was doing that, and although I was a little disappointed, there was this funny 
opportunity where he like he's in this water and there's an explosion. So I just did this like the uh, this exertion, this yell like. <laughs> And he didn't even keep it in. I was like, why? <laughs> but anyways, sometimes sometimes your creative choices aren't used. So there was, uh, there was that one that we recently released. And then uh, another one we got to do where I got to play one of my favorite characters, the character of Stratos, who is a very... He's a winged monkey man for some reason. Like, he's got... But, um, like Wizard of I Oz. Kind of, it's a popular yeah, trope. Yeah, like... Oh, yeah. What? I never even drew that comparison. That's hilarious. Um, totally changes things up. <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, and if you hear my portrayal, it's only a couple of lines, but he's shutting like shutting uh, Scottish James Bond you might be familiar with. Because, um, like, I, you guys know I'm a huge He-Man fan, and one of my favorite iterations was actually the, the 2000 version that came out in 2001-2002 and it had a lot of great Canadian voice talent it was from this company Mike Young Productions and it had one of my favorite voice actors Scott McNeil he has like if you watch anime um or 90s animation we're talking like Conan the Adventurer Double Dragon so many different properties like he you probably would have heard Scott McNeil so he actually played a variety of characters on the the 2000 He-Man show including uh this version of Merman and um and his Stratos was just like, I don't know. He's basically, he's like, you know, he looks a lot like Sean Connery from Jado, so I'm just going to make him sound like that. Ah, uh-uh. do you need a lift? Withers a bit inhospitable. I have to land. You know, stuff like that. So uh, it's always fun to, to do an excuse to do a Sean Connery impersonation because mm-hmm. we don't get to do those that much these days. Well, unfortunately, he's passed away, so uh, there's no new material, so yeah. No, I know, I know. I've heard some interesting stories from him. Like, uh, a friend of mine just saw him kind of outdoors one day in his yard. He was like, oh, would you like some tea? I've got a tray inside. (laughs) I just invited him in for tea. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, So there's that. Uh, I was just doing some pickups for an e-learning project that I feel like has been months in the making. (laughs) But it's it's like I sent the, the, the main file to them months ago and it's just been pickup after pickup or they added this or they wanted a better pronunciation here and i'm just like when is this thing going to be done but oh well at least it's um i'm looking forward to that check in the mail when it finally is but other than that um yeah just been trying to keep busy with like with current projects and auditions so that wraps up our vo meter reference levels but now it's time for Questionable Gear Purchase. All right, so I have another piece of equipment on loan from a manufacturer, but is there anything you want to talk about before we talk about that? Uh, no, go for it. Okay, so I am now recording, or have, have been the whole episode, through the RME Babyface Pro that RME was uh, gracious enough to send me on loan to try out. Uh, full disclosure, I bought one of these before. Uh, I think it was five years ago, maybe six years ago. So really early into my VO career. And I found it a little overwhelming because of all the routing options that are available. And I got rid of it almost immediately before I could even get sound out of it. So I gave up that quickly where I was, I plugged it in, couldn't figure out how to get it into the DAW, couldn't hear out of the headphones. And I said, 
you know what, I don't have time for this. I'm going to punt and resold it almost immediately. So, thankful to say I've gotten a little bit farther this time. I'm recording the podcast on it, and I'm talking through my neat Kingby microphone routed through it, and receiving Sean through it, and recording both live into, into Twisted Wave, my digital audio workstation-ish. I know some people will, in the comments, say, it's not a real DAW, it's an audio editor. But anyway, I'm recording in the Twisted Wave. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the features. Uh, it has four analog inputs and outputs, two XLR mic slash line inputs, two, phone, two uh, headphone outputs, one ADAT, one MIDI, runs on, R, on a USB 2.0. Uh, it has two line instrument inputs, and a plus 19, plus 4 DBU switch, which uh, I was reading on what exactly that is, and I'm a little unclear still, but it's basically to boost the level, I guess, if the equipment you're using needs a boost inherently. So that's available. It's a little tiny switch on the bottom that you flick with a, a screwdriver or a pen, sort of like the switches on the, um, the Sentrance products. And it includes their routing software, which you can control remotely without ever having to touch the unit. But the unit does have several switches as well. It has this big old dial, which you can adjust between input and output and headphones and adjust it that way. And then it has uh, analog meters on the unit itself. But everything can be controlled remotely. Independent headphones, independent mixes for either, um, for either what's going into your DAW or what you're hearing in each headphone and even independent instrument mixes. So it has a lot of features and that's kind of where the issue becomes. It's still extremely complicated for me. I was messing around with it mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks trying to figure out exactly how to do exactly what we're doing right now, how to record the podcast. And I didn't think I had ever gotten there because I wasn't able to capture <laughs> audio. But then I turned it on today. I, I re-plugged it in today. I went back to using my other interface. I plugged it in today for the show. And magically, on channels three and four, I was getting return audio from the computer, including over Source Connect right now, which which we're using to record the, the, the podcast. I have no idea how it happened. I was, <laughs> it just sort of, <laughs> maybe that was the default. I just didn't realize it was on those channels because in your DAW, you can select what's routed to each channel. And when you open up the, the preferences in your DAW, you'll see all the, the inputs and outputs for the baby face. And what I did was I just created a, a recording with eight channels to record everything. That's the max on Twisted Wave. And then I, mm -hmm. I saw that the signal was coming in on three and four. So maybe it was all along and I was trying to push it to two and that's why I didn't see it. But that's where we are right now. So I should mention in the routing, there's three different uh, sections and I sort of understand where they are. The top are your, <laughs> the top are your hardware inputs. So any of the mics, any instruments you plug in. The second are the software returns and the third are the monitors. So... I, the, the idea is you can take anything that's in the hardware and route it out to any of the mixes through the, um, through the Total Mix software. Again, it's, it's a little bit over my head, and I've managed to get this working sort of by default. But it is <laughs> extremely flexible, and for that, I'm sure there's people that are using it now to its fullest potential. And uh, yeah, the sound is great, I will say that. I, I recorded several auditions with it. And like I said, I'm recording the podcast now. Oh, it also has effects. So on any channel, you can have um, reverb. There's a high-pass filter. There's equal equalization. Uh, you, can, you can adjust all of that on any of the channels. So that's cool as well. I'm not using any of that right now, but it is there. And uh, yeah, it, it sounds good. And it's extremely versatile. 
but I think I'm going to send it back because it's, it's still a little over my head. But I am happy I finally got a signal out of it, at least. That's awesome. Yeah, for people looking, I mean, if you want that flexibility, if you want an interface that you can just be confident is is going to be reliable, is going to be versatile, um, and you don't mind asking for help to get <laughs> to learn all of those features, then the, the Babyface is definitely a top-tier interface to consider. It also runs independently of the computer, I should say. So you could, once you, Whoa. once you have this, I think, am I wrong on that? I think you can no, run no, it. No, no, I'm just impressed. Oh. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> so you can, you could dial in your settings, unplug it from the computer and take it on the road with you. It does have a DC supply uh, port if you wanted to power it outside of a computer. But um, I'm usually, most, I'm using it mostly on the computer and I haven't had any trouble with it powering anything. I did notice that it has up to 76 dB of gain on, on the XLR insane. inputs, which is nuts. Yeah, it's, that should power pretty much anything, including most uh, SpaceX rockets. <laughs> <laughs> They're called dynamic mics, Paul. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but seriously, uh, those mics that, that need a lot of gain, like an SM7B or an RE20, they should have no problem powering that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Always fun to get more gear in. <laughs> so thanks to RME for sending the RME Babyface Pro to review. Uh, I enjoy getting to know it and finally getting some sound out of it. Um, and if you're interested, you can go to rme-audio.de to learn more. So that wraps up our questionable gear purchases for this episode. We'll get to our interview with Sheree B. Tay right after these messages. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. 
Go with the pros. VoiceActorWebsites.com. Where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the interview portion of today's VO Meter episode. Today, we're pleased to welcome Cherie B. Tay. Cherie is a creative artist with a passion for storytelling. As a professional voice actor, Cherie has lent their voice to a variety of genres and projects. With a background in theater, music, and hobby collecting, they bring a unique perspective and dedication to their work. As a queer, AAPI, and gender nonconforming artist who immigrated from Singapore, Cherie is committed to amplifying marginalized voices and telling diverse stories that matter. They strive to connect with audiences on a deep level and bring their full self to everything they do, whether it's in the VO recording booth or the Broadway calling booth. With a love for DIY projects and problem solving, Shuri is always ready to take on new challenges and create meaningful art. You can find more information at https colon slash slash www.shuribtavo.com. Welcome, Shuri. How are you? Hello, hello. Welcome. How you doing? Uh, we're doing great. It's so awesome to have you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Awesome. We're excited. I'm glad somebody's excited. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks for welcoming us to our own podcast. But (laughs) I don't know if you've heard of it. I've heard it's wonderful. (laughs) Awesome. We feel very like the invitation is gracious. We should point out this is actually not the first time Cherie's been on the show. We did a really late night impromptu interview at the first Evocation conference where we were in one of the rooms till like three in the morning. And, um, DJ Tay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. and I said, through like 17 beers, I said, hey, you want to do an interview right now? <laughs> that's so, really how it should be. I welcome back to the show, we should say. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be great. Man, I mean, people, they're going to love Oh, man. It's going to love it. They're going to love it. So, to actual questions, you have a really interesting career path into your own voiceover, uh, into your own VO journey. How did you get started? It's a great question. Um, I have wanted to do voiceover for so long, since like 2011. And I took this like e-learning guy out to lunch and he was like, you know, buy a recorder. You know, back in the day, there was no real like home studio, home studios that was big. And then theater got in the way. And then in 2015, I joined Voices.com. Theater got in the way again. And then in 2019, I was on Town, and Andre DeShields and Amber Gray and Kimberly Marable, who were in the show, were like, you need to do voiceover. You need to do voiceover. And so I finally went to Edge Studio. I paid a hundred bucks, was nervous as hell, and then built my own home studio and just started hitting the ground running, made my website, made a homemade demo, pandemic came in, shut everything down. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing VO now. (laughs) Um, And then got my first agent, like literally within three months of me being in voiceover. um, It was bananas with my homemade demo, uh, much less. But honestly, I I didn't really make much. And I wouldn't say that I've been making money from voiceover until about three to four years in. Wow, that's, that's kind of amazing. I, I remember being, well, I guess we met short, sort of at that very start, right as the pandemic hit, unfortunately, and the uh, the evocation conference was was forced to become evocation because it was right at September of 2020. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's amazing to see how far you've come. It's, it's pretty, I can't believe it myself some days, honestly. <laughs> well, congratulations. So what are the primary genres that you work in and where do you find you've had the most success where your voice sort of sticks? I've been doing a lot of random stuff. 
I've done, I did a, an animation. I've done a bunch of small audio books, commercial dubbing, e-learning, like just, just, you know, tricks, mast, what's that, that saying? Um, uh, Jack, of, Jack of, all Jack of all trades. Master of none. Master yeah. of none. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but, but have you heard the end of that? Oh, Jack oh. of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. By the way, so, I wanted to mention you. You said you mentioned going to Edge Studio. I started the exact same way. I took that. You did. Me too. I, did I took that. the investigate voice yep. workshop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that must be some sort of like starting pawn ground, spawning ground for all young voiceover people who are like voiceover in Google. How to start? <laughs> yeah, I have no complaints. I actually mm-hmm. made a demo with them as part of the class. I, t- I went on oh, to do cool. their their class after that, and then I I also got an agent almost immediately from that demo. So kudos to edge studio nice i actually didn't end up making my demo with them i only did that yeah neither did i i couldn't afford the uh the 1700 <laughs> demo package at the time did you <laughs> didn't did want you to feel pressured into it so so i was working with another coach to do that but um cool. so we had like four different demos and got kind of a bundled discount for that nice. so, and they still they've gotten me agent representation and i recently like to be honest i hate my commercial demo it's <laughs> got a new agent with it this week so i guess it's still working <laughs> congrats that's awesome that's amazing all right so kind of a two-part question sheree so what was your biggest challenge getting started that you kind of in you uh kind of intimated that with with talking about your schedule with theater and and what's your biggest challenge now Ooh, good question biggest challenge when i was getting started would have to be just time you know, I mean, before the pandemic came and slapped everybody, but um, balancing life and theater was hard enough and trying to find any time at all for anything else was was quite difficult. And my challenge now is that pull it push and pull, I would say, of grinding and hustling versus sitting back and enjoying life and finding that balance. Oh, that's interesting. I struggle with yeah, that myself. I feel that so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that resonates so well. Because, I mean, as I like to joke, I've experienced major burnout at least three times in my career. And it's just, it, it's so easy to do, especially if you're balancing multiple jobs and you have familial commitments and, and relationships that you're trying to, like, to maintain. It, it's just... Like, I mean, I've, I've gotten injuries, I've gotten illnesses because I was just working too hard and not resting well. You know, it, it's very difficult, especially for something. Uh, this is an industry that rewards sacrifice and, and to ignore your, your bodily needs and, and to be on survival rather than what I like to call thrival mode. But thrival anyways, mode, yes. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that totally resonates. And and maybe it's just actors who have been at this for a while who who can afford to slow down a little bit. You're like, oh well, maybe I should take care care of myself. I think part of it also is that it's so fun. Like obviously this is a a great a great industry to be in and it's more fun than at least in my opinion than anything else I've ever done in my life. So I didn't mind mm-hmm. for the first couple of years just constantly thinking about thinking about VO, eat, drinking and and, and breathing VO. I would be doing a workout every night. If I wasn't doing auditioning or booking jobs, I would be in meetup groups every other night I had free, all weekend. And you're right, it does burn out. I actually hurt my voice too. So maybe maybe it's a, something we should all be thinking about, that it does make sense to 
to sit back every once in a while and just sort of enjoy what's happening. I was, honestly, the pandemic was great for that, where I actually yeah. had a chance to sort of slow down a bit. I was forced to, but it, it worked out pretty well. And I think it's a big thing for artists in general of like chasing that big, big goal at the end of your career. And I managed to get that last year in my theatrical career of like literally achieving every goal I wanted to do on Broadway and being like, well, I'm not happy. Like, this doesn't make me happy just because I'm successful. It doesn't mean that I'm done chasing anything. So I think people who do reach their goal also doesn't equal happiness immediately. And so finding what you really want out of life is really what I think should be the goal. That's awesome. We're taking like a profound existential turn <laughs> and I dig it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But it's so true. I mean, like, this career, this dream can be so different than, or the reality can be so different than the dream, mm -hmm. right? And, and sometimes it's satisfactory. Sometimes it's like, okay, maybe there are other areas that I need to cultivate to really, like, to live my best life, you know? So I'm really glad that you brought all that up. Yeah. It's absolutely. fun to look back, too, sometimes. Sean and I have been doing this a little bit lately. Now we've been doing this show for almost seven years. We <laughs> had all these aspira aspirational goals, whether it be for gear or demo producers or agents, and we look back, and I'm going to drop, I'm going to name drop all of our sponsors right now, just to be completely obnoxious. But I always <laughs> yes. want to be, I always want to be in a Studio Bricks booth. I'm in one right now. I always want to send Heiser microphone. I've had several of those because um, I was able to afford those, and Sennheiser would occasionally send me one as a sponsor of the show. I wanted to have a demo produced by uh, J. Michael Collins. Got that done as well. Also a sponsor of the show. <laughs> and I was, I was looking back recently at. At all the um, all the genres I've done, I don't think there's any genre now that I haven't done, except for audio description. And at one point, it was a pipe dream to be able to do a voiceover in any of those genres. So every once in a while, it's good to look back to and to sort of say, "Hey, uh, I have sort of made it." Air quotes. But like you said, yeah. you never you never stop. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, yeah, I would toot my own horn a little bit there. <laughs> no, as as you should though. I think it's important, especially when you're struggling with either um, with those valley times or, or just mm -hmm. the imposter syndrome that we all seem to struggle with. Mm -hmm. It really helps to like be like, hey, remember how crappy my first studio sounded? I couldn't even hear a refrigerator in the background. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> you, you need like a before picture in your booth of you really sad with like a Yeti. <laughs> oh, my God. It just was a Yeti. And I'm ashamed to admit it. But um but yeah, it's just amazing how, like, uh, you're right. You don't have that reminder. It can be easy to forget and ignore your own growth. Always good to, uh, to take mm -hmm. stock every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So shifting gears a bit, Shuri, you mentioned, or I mentioned in your bio, but you wrote it, that um, <laughs> you, you, you have a unique ethnic background and you also identify as queer and gender nonconforming. How is that translated into your voiceover or maybe even the theater career if you want to address either one? Yeah, uh, it's been... It's, ah, oh, man. That good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the cool part about it is that I think growing up in Singapore, being Asian was the majority, right? And then I came to the U.S. where all of a sudden I was now a minority. And it was so new for me moving into like a rural Pennsylvania neighborhood, like literal farm town where like my classmates drove tractors to school. Um, Wait, which town? I have to ask. 
Uh, it's in the Chad's Ford area. Okay, because I'm from like Pennsylvania. Square. Oh, I know Kansas. The mushroom capital of the world. Mushroom capital of the world. <laughs> we would, dude, we would wake up in the morning and wait for the school bus, and it just smelled like horse manure. Yep, all the time. Oh, my, oh God. my God. I mean, talk about rural. <laughs> so now getting to voice, like I, I voiced a, a non-binary platypus. I've done like LGBT e-learnings, LGBT political spots, anti-Asian political spots. Like it's so cool to be able to bring myself to these projects and things that young me would have never imagined me doing. And especially coming to the U.S., um, in my teens and having a Singaporean accent. Can you imagine like in middle and high school being the odd one out already just from being Asian? And on top of that, having an accent, I dropped my accent so quick, so quick. And now I do voiceover in the accent sometimes and make money from that. So that's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty f full circle. That's awesome. And I, I love that you brought that up, like kind of taking back or recapturing your your identity even if it was a cause of embarrassment in, in your youth because i'm finding a lot of people are trying to pursue acting as sort of an escape you know <laughs> to to put i call it putting on masks and costumes and <laughs> and, it, and that, that is a fun part of it but it's not but so much of true like the the crux of acting is about honesty and truth and and figuring out who this person is and broadcasting that because people want to see that you know and, and it might not seem so at first but you don't know that until you broadcast it exactly exactly sure if we could expand a little bit further do you feel i feel like obviously i'm a, a middle-aged white male although i am hispanic <laughs> and italian but anyway uh, i feel like we're in a much better time in the industry for people being truer to, truer to their ethnic selves and their, with the, um, the ways they identify. Do you feel that you've come to the business at a good time and it is getting you better? Know, that's an interesting question, twofold. One, I was just doing an event yesterday, which I can't talk about, um, but I was the VOG for, and someone mentioned, oh, well, you know, there's so many gay ads now on TV and you see interracial couples and gay couples and the other person said well only three percent of ads right now are um queer couples or queer people i have to look that statistic up that seems um, low again I'm, I'm bringing my own bias to it but i feel like it's more prevalent than ever it fe i think it feels like it but i think i think it's still not enough and i think it's probably because okay. we've gone from zero percent to to more. So anything more than zero yes. seems seems better, but maybe it's not. Yeah. I, okay. So so expanding on that question, one is in theater world. Whenever I was asked to do a project, I wanted to make sure internally that it was because I'm good, right, and not because they're trying to fill a box, and not because they're trying to say that they have a diverse hire. I wanted to be hired for who I was. Now, if I happened to get into the door because I checked a box, I wanted to make sure that I stay in the box by being a good worker or a good person to work with. Same thing in VO. Um, sure, there are boxes that, that I think now people want to check which is great because it gives so much more 
chances to people who were overlooked in the past where the default used to always be white, right? You say, if I said doctor, if I said a judge, you would picture a white man. Whereas now they're specifically looking for people who do fill those roles who are not just white men. So I think that's great. And I think in terms of timing entering it, I think for me personally, the timing of entering it for me is is great uh, for my mental health in terms of leaving theater. But in terms of me thinking of like, ooh, this is so great because now everybody wants AAPI, I, I, that has not really crossed my mind, I would say. Good, good. And I love that you always value the the, the craft in, in being the best person regardless of uh, box checking. <laughs> right? Yes. Because um, it's a valid concern. To add to that, yes and, right? So can can you authentically tell that story? Yes to the best actor getting the role, and can they authentically tell that story? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think you put it perfectly, and I love that, that phrase, uh, yes to checking a box, but once I get there, I want to stay in the box because I'm good. I think that's a perfect way to put it. So this is great. And I, I, I want to kind of dive into that comment that you said about leaving theater for your mental health and talk about because I came from stage from like high school and college as well before, for pursuing that. Like certainly not the levels that you are, but but I, I do have some sympathies for you. And, and I, for, for people who maybe are trying to go into voiceover from being a drama nerd or drama kid, right? Um, what are some similarities, similarities and differences between these two mediums? It's funny, I was just talking to Rhonda Phillips about that today. (laughs) Awesome. For me, I can't really speak so much about the actor side of it because I was never really on stage. Um, I was more behind the scenes. So bringing that sense of taking all the information in at all times and having to disperse it correctly and being able to speak to people um, in a way that gets things done or, or... um, makes them feel safe or makes them feel heard really helps in the VO world. Who knew? And then also the organization of it really helps. For people who are just in theater in general, you're already out there living your truths. You are balancing this like creative career and VO is a lot of that as well. And that's great. I mean, so I mean, I'm constantly, I feel like a part of my job of teaching people voice acting is to get less expressive people to be more expressive and more expressive people usually coming from a theater background to be less so yes right so um and that's wonderful that and and very often i'm seeing this idea that they look to a director or some to an authority will say for ideas and i'm like ah they're actors you act you do the things right so like you have to come up with things you have to create context through your performance even though as you said it's very often not provided or not articulated well and it's such a different medium just because you're a good actor theatrical actor or a or you have a good voice you know it it doesn't matter it's an art, right? The people Mm -hmm. who are doing this, like you, both of you, and anyone who we look up to have been doing this for so long and mastering their craft. Coming in, if you come in from theater thinking you're hot shit because um, you played, I don't know, whatever, Hamlet, right? Um, It's it's not going to translate. So that's something important to know, I would say. Mm-hmm. I know Crispin Freeman um, has got a or anime voice actor. Crispin Freeman has a great story. He's like, I used to be big in Broadway and stuff like that. When I moved to California, 
no one heard of me, nobody <laughs> cared about my credits, and I had to unlearn a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. You could be Broadway famous, and that's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like VO famous. I mean, people outside of VO would not know who JMC is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes no, some crossover, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. And that's a great point, because, I mean, Broadway is like kind of the apex aspiration for a lot of people who pursue theater. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny. So shifting gears a bit, we we know that, like us, you're a bit of a, a gear geek. So tell us about your studio uh, and maybe how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, I love gear. I actually got my first voiceover gear um, f- discounted. <laughs> I was on the train in New York and this guy was coughing next to me non-freaking-stop. And me, a stage manager, reaches into my bag and hands him a Ricola. He looks at my ukulele and he's like, oh, thank you so much. I work at Sam Ash. If you ever need anything, come in. I will give you a Ricola discount. (laughs) That's awesome. I wrote that in my notes app. And like four years later, in 2019, I wanted to get into voiceover. And I called up Sam Ash and I was like, hey, is so-and-so still working? And he picks up the phone. I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but it's uh, the Ricola person from the train. He's like, I've been telling everybody about Ricola person. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went in and I got a discount on my voiceover gear, which was insane. Um, So, yeah, I got my gear. I said I got a Rode NT1 and a Scarlet 2i2 and a Samson mic arm and uh, turned a dining room table on its side so the feet were against the wall and just draped it in packing blankets and foam. I even had French doors that opened. It was beautiful. Um, <laughs> it sounded great, too. I mean, that's what you're using when we connected on evocation. Yeah. And then I, I changed it over into, like, a corner of the room. Again, more packing blankets and, like, a photography. I had all of my photo gear, so I was able to take that and make it into a studio. And now when it's... Uh, third <laughs> evolution. Um, I took garage shelves. I had this like fever dream, like uh, what's that movie? A Beautiful Mind, where he's mm-hmm. like, writing on the window. Like mm-hmm. as I'm falling asleep, <laughs> I'm like, ooh, garage shelves. I just drew out like two garage shelves um, facing each other with like a three foot, four foot space in the middle, and then just wood panels on top to make a roof, and just drape the shit out of it in foam and packing blankets. And it's turned into this beautiful little studio with color-changing lights. I have my keyboard and JBL monitors in the back. I have a 49-inch screen curved Samsung Ooh. monitor. It is beautiful. Oh, my God. I can't. So immersive. <laughs> it is. Sometimes I just put on like an 8K 16 by 9 or 16 by 1 video just to watch it. So oh, good. my God. I love gear. And then I have a a travel, (laughs) (laughs) I have a travel Vomo booth that I bring with me with my Senko D2, which I brought to Korea, actually. And I was able to do voiceover for three months there. Nice. No, I think I saw the testimonial on the site. And I just love, like, I mean, I love that response so much because it just shows, I mean, like the old cliche goes, like necessity is the mother of invention. And I love the spin that Master Splinter from the Turtles had on that (laughs) in, like, no, I'm serious. I, I live with this advice for 40 years, but it's, it is amazing what one can do when one is forced to. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. 
but but seriously, I just love the story about like the networking, the putting yourself out there, and then like in keeping people's contact in like four years. Like sometimes it <laughs> happens where it's just like you meet someone at a conference or or like you wow a casting director, and then like five ten years later, like hey, we've got an opening that'd be perfect for you. Who are you again? You know, yes. so just <laughs> take notes, put yourself out there, people. Amen. So that actually segues nicely in, I mean, like we just said, network, put yourself out there. What other recommendations to a voice actor just getting started would you like to share? <laughs> I actually have a page on my website, a blog post called um, How To, because I had so many people asking, um, how do I get into voiceover? And that's what I was asking when I started too. You know, everyone's like, I have a great voice. Now what? One, know that it's a business. Know that it's a lot of work. You can't just have a nice voice. You're fully making a website. You're making your socials. You're doing everything a business does, reaching out to clients. You're delivering your work. You need all of the equipment to get started. You need to learn how to use that equipment. You need to learn how to use your vocal equipment, meaning your voice. Um, and so there's just so much that goes into it. It's not some magical thing. It's something that, that a lot of people work really hard at uh, to get where they are. Awesome. Awesome advice. I was actually just watching an interview with Brian Cranston of uh, Breaking Bad and Malcolm in the Middle fame. And he's like, I get asked all the time by aspiring actors, be like, how did you get to this point? How did you get to this point? He's like, oh, you want the shortcut? You want the shortcut? Is that what you want? The shortcut? There isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's funny. So along those lines, uh, now that you've been doing VO for a while, where do you see the future of the business? We've, we've heard a lot of talk about AI, well, pretty much every day, mm -hmm. AI, and mm -hmm. uh, the advent of pay-to-plays. Where do you think the business is going, and where do you see yourself in it in the future? I think AI can only do so much without humans, right? I think in the end, we still require humans talking to each other above anything else. I mean, you could talk with Chad GPT for a while, but but there's really nothing like meeting up and talking to other real life human beings. So I think if you, and we've all heard those ads on TV that's like, this is how you do this. And you're like, mm, no, it just doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound authentic. It doesn't sound... It's it's off. It sounds off. It's and sure, there's some things that are yeah. There's I'm sure there are some things that are already being turned over to AI, like some telephony stuff and some other things. But ah, I can only hold out hope that uh, all of it will not go to AI. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and, and like you said, um, it's so much more than just a voice. This is an exercise in communication and connection. And like you said, you can. You can have a text conversation with ChatGPT, but I don't know if I'd want him to read me an audiobook. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty uh, terrible right now. It's pretty bad. I mean, it, it might get better and it will find its use, but like you said, I think there are people who will always value not just listening to stories and, and information being imparted by a human voice, but working with a human, right? So yes. or, or, like business to business. Yeah, I tend to agree. Or at least here's hoping, right? <laughs> have have y'all lost any of your businesses to AI yet? Not that I'm aware not. of. Yeah, not I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not yet. 
Mm -hmm. And and I do work in a lot of like the e-learning or the industrial genres that are kind of being threatened by this type of work. So, so we'll see. Putting more positive spin on things, talking about how we can enhance your future, <laughs> Cherie, how can folks hire you if they want to work with you? You can go to my website, CherieBTVO.com. All right. Well, Cherie, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. Uh, thanks for actually, having me. This was awesome. You yeah, we actually awesome. met for the Thanks first so time much. in person at VO Atlanta, and it was so great to finally see you and get a big hug. So, yeah. I'm glad we're yeah, able to do nice this. To, ex exactly. Again, with connecting and meeting people, you know, the internet does a lot, and it definitely helped over the pandemic, but meeting people in real life is so fulfilling. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, Paul has already met you, and I... Like, I am just thrilled to to have this chance to talk with you more, Cherie. I love your voice. It's so chill and, like, I don't know, insightful. <laughs> but, and, and I just love the conversations we've had today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Walgreens, because it's flu season, you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hey, Paul, did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. Thanks to Cherie for being on the show for the second time, this time with a little less uh, inebriation. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she was day drinking. We don't know. That's <laughs> true. We didn't really say. Uh, but I, I wanted to have Cherie on for a while. And then similar to Stefan, I ran into her in person at VO Atlanta. And I said, hey, you should be on our show. And thankfully she said yes. So I was happy to, to have her on. And also to discuss those sometimes tricky topics about ethnic backgrounds and sexual orientation and um, gender 
nonconformity. So I appreciate all that, uh, her willingness to talk about all those things, just like all of our guests that have been on the show and have done so in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's definitely a, a champion voice for for BIPOC discussions, for um, gender nonconformity, and I'm happy that we were able to provide a platform for her to discuss those topics. So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. We're still putting together our summer schedule, so stay tuned for that. But thank you guys for listening. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. <laughs>